Church, God is moving, and uh, it is so exciting to be a part of, isn't it? To just know God is here and He's among us. And uh, if you're here in person, uh, we are so glad that you're here. If you're online with us, we want you to know we're glad you're with us too. And in fact, you all need to know that over the last few weeks, we've been sharing with our online community, uh, which is nearing 300 people every week uh, consistently. And uh, so we've been uh, encouraging them and letting them know that we see them and we want them to see us more clearly. So we have new cameras going in in the next month that will upgrade our online experience. And uh, we are very, very excited about that and their contribution as an online community uh, to that goal that we had. So as we get into God's word today, we're wrapping up a series. Think of it as like five episodes. Today is the fifth episode, okay? And uh, if you missed one of the other episodes, you can go back online and you can check it out. Uh, But today as we look at what it means to be gifted, to unlock our potential, is really what we're looking at. Can you say that with me? Unlocking your potential. Yeah, that was uh, fragmented. Um, That's okay. Because you unlocking your potential, the way we're going to look at it today is going to unlock our potential. A few years back, uh, actually uh, 2019, there was a gentleman in Canada Uh, His name was Stephen Mills, or is Stephen Mills, in Alberta, Canada. And he had taken his kids to a museum, uh, Vermilion Heritage Museum was the name of it. And his story went viral because this museum was in a small town, and as they, you know, were there and and viewing it, there was one attraction that, that actually had kind of been the main thing at this museum. It was a safe that had not been unlocked or unopened for 40 years. Now, interestingly enough, Stephen decided to, to just have some fun with his kids. He noticed the numbers and, and just something popped into his head and he put it in and he actually unlocked the safe. <laughs> now, you can imagine that moment and what that was like for everybody. Like if you're the museum people, you're like, oh no, our best attraction. And uh, if you're him, you're kind of like, wow, I look like a hero with my kids. And, and then there was this probably letdown because within the safe was really nothing. It was empty and dusty. There really wasn't anything inside of it. And one of the things that I think we need to realize is that many of us miss our potential because we're not like that safe. You see, when you come into a relationship with Jesus, he's putting something in you. There is something in you. And when God begins to open that door and unlock it, You don't need to fear what he's placed in there. You need to celebrate it and go with it because your good God has great plans for you. There's also the reality that if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, that really what we're saying today is, hey, uh, if, if you get unlocked today, if you're open, you don't want to be empty. And there's a God who loves you enough to say, I'll enter into your life and I'll fill you. Turn with me to 2 Timothy 1, and uh, this is where we'll start today. There's a gentleman named Paul, an apostle, and he's writing a letter to a a young leader, Timothy. Here's what he says in the the first few verses, picking up in verse 3. He says, I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you 
that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. I want to just pause there for a minute. Unlocking our potential, your potential, is your choice. It's actually your choice. God is available, God is abundant, but there's a choice that that has to be made. In fact, what Paul is saying to Timothy here is, listen, there there are generations in your family that, that have followed Jesus and imparted this faith to you. I believe that you have received it as well. Now, what does that mean? It means that in every generation, there is a moment where that individual doesn't rely any longer on the faith of their forefathers. They don't rely on the faith of their parents or their grandparents. They learn from it. They you know, embrace it, hopefully, and engage it because of them. But there's still a moment where every individual has to make a choice to find and to follow Jesus. And so as he's saying this to them, he's, he, he's saying, listen, there's generations, but there's a moment that you're now in. A moment that I believe many of us are probably in now where God is knocking on the door and saying, hey, I want to unlock this. I have more for you. Some of you, it may be that God is saying you need to begin a relationship with me. Some of you, it may be that you've had the belief, but he's saying, I want you to repent and renew and recommit to me to that relationship. And for others of us, it's going to be the next piece, which is because you have the relationship, here's what unlocking it can look like. Check out verse 6 and 7. It says, for this reason, I remind you to fan, say fan, fan into flame the gift of God which is in you. Again, we're not empty. We have a relationship with Jesus. He's placed a gift inside of us, and we're to fan it into flame. It says, which is in you through the laying on of my hands, For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Fan into flame the gift that God has put into you. There's a revivalist and pastor and author, A.W. Tozer, that decades ago said this. He said, modern religion focuses upon filling churches with people. The true gospel emphasizes filling people with God. Come on, church. There's a difference between filling a building with people and finding a people that are filled with God. And that is our heart, that is our hope, that is our belief. And as he goes on here, he says, spirit not of fear. So we're to fan this into flame, and there's to not be a spirit of fear. In the Greek, the word is delia, It's one who flees from battle and is a coward. That's what the word delia, which is the spirit of fear, means. It actually is the difference between cowardice and boldness. And and here's what I want us to, to realize, is when we enter into that relationship with God and God begins to unlock what's inside of us, there's actually a world that thrives on fear. There's a spirit of fear operating in our world. Have you watched the news lately? Don't matter the channel. You pick which one you like. There's a spirit of fear 
that is dominant in our world today. And he's saying, listen, don't have a spirit of fear or cowardness, delia is the word, but actually have a spirit of boldness. That whatever God has given you, you're bold with it. Not in a way that is out of line, because notice what he said next. He said, with power, right? So when we operate in the spirit of God, there's a boldness and a power that you're not going to find anywhere else. There's also, it says, operate in love, which means anything that we're doing should be done in love. Otherwise, we're wasting our time. Look it up, 1 Corinthians 13. So power in love, and then it says self-control. And it's interesting that oftentimes when we get into conversations about unlocking our potential or using our gifts, we miss the reality that we have a flesh that could get in the way. Self-control is a fruit of the Spirit. You could look it up in Galatians 5, 22 to 23. There's nine fruit of the Spirit. I say fruit because it's all of those are supposed to be flowing out of us. And that self-control actually means that we have to discipline our flesh. We have to actually allow God to do something that actually leads to greater character. Let me read to you a definition of character because it's something sorely missing in our world today. This comes from the Dictionary of Biblical Themes. The moral and mental features that define a person, whether good or evil. The term also means moral strength, which Scripture regards as something to be highly valued. So character is a a major part of who we are. And that character actually is something that's meant to be greater than our gifts. Please hear this in episode five on the Gifted series. All right? That our character is meant to be greater than our gifts. You ever met somebody who is incredibly gifted or even incredibly talented, yet lacked character? If they're sitting next to you, do not side-eye them right now. (laughs) Do not say their name. We've all encountered, and maybe we've even been that person, that had incredible potential and talent and giftedness, but our character wasn't keeping up. And what Paul is getting at here as he talks to Timothy is there should be a spirit of self-control which would help shape his character, which would help lead to the character, who he is, being greater than what he's doing. You see, character will either limit you or lift you. It will limit you because people will see the true you, and pretty soon we lose influence, or it will lift you Because people see Jesus in you and see something they can trust. The church of Jesus Christ should be the most trusted organism and organization in the world. But often it's not. Because we've allowed other things to supersede our character and our real potential. Let me show you something in regards to this to just break it down a little further. Spiritual habits, the disciplines, the things that we do that help us to grow with the Lord and shape our character, they actually strengthen me or you. Spiritual gifts strengthen us. 
And then our spiritual fruit, love, joy, peace, gentleness, kindness, self-control, strengthens our world. This is incredibly important to grasp today because unlocking our potential is going to flow through all three of these. That actually God wants to do something with our habits that places our flesh under submission to him and we develop more of his character and who he is. We get transformed into the image of God. And then as that happens, our giftedness flows through us and his fruit flows through us and we begin to really make a difference in our world. Church, I can't wait to see what God has ahead for us. He is unlocking the potential of his people in his church. But this journey is one that will cause us to realize that there's things that we have to make a choice on. Things that, that are our choice to choose to say, yes, I want my potential unlocked. And there's some things that we have to begin to embrace and do in order for those things to occur. Turn with me to Romans chapter 12. And this is where we'll spend the rest of our time today is in Romans 12. If you're taking notes, your God-given potential is unlocked through, we're going to look at three things. The first is Christ-centered character transformation. That actually what we see in Romans 12 is the Apostle Paul, again, writing a letter to a church and to a people. And what he's going to say to them is in the beginning of the verse, you'll hear it, he says, therefore... What he's setting up is because of Romans 1 through 11, where he shared the gospel and all that Jesus had done for them. Therefore, here's our response. Here's the choice we have in front of us. And this actually is something, when we center on Christ, his character is something that's meant to transform us. And here's what it looks like in verse 1 and 2. In verse 1 and 2, it says this. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Now, that alone could be a message. It could be a few messages, right? And you're going to find today that, that I'm, I'm, I'm reading through his word, and I'm going to allow his word to speak in ways that I hope connect with where you're at. Because in there, it's a choice, right? To say, because of who God is, I'm going to be this living sacrifice. I'm choosing to set aside my plan, my agenda, my flesh to receive what he has. And he says, this is your spiritual act of worship. Verse 2, do not be conformed to this world. There is a world that is trying to shape, mold, and conform you to its image. This is happening through the media, through social media, through education, through all kinds of forces, politically and otherwise around us. Anybody awake today? Do not be conformed, he says, to this world, but be transformed. The word there is where we would get a word for like metamorphosis. It's a, it's a change and a transition. Think of a butterfly coming out of a cocoon. It's a full transformation. So be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by the testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. As we look at this, there's a discipline, a habit, right? A, a living sacrifice, a spiritual act of worship, allowing God to renew our minds. 
This is something that is a choice that we can make on a daily basis. Sunday helps, but you need help Monday through Saturday. Can I get an amen? And it's our spiritual habits then that actually shape our character and that lead to that kind of transformation. It's actually your habits. You know this because most of you probably started the new year like me wanting to lose some weight. It's not going as well as I hoped. I don't know about you, but for me, I'm still working on it, right? Because there's some habits that creep back in and some habits that sometimes are harder to break than we would like. But habits shape us and actually lead us down the path of who we're becoming. There's six habits that I want to put in front of you today, six spiritual disciplines that I believe will help all of us. The first is worship. It's mentioned here in Romans 12. A worship that says, I'm yours. It's about you, not me. Paul said, as a living sacrifice. That's a worship that's bigger than what we sing on Sunday. It's a part of it, but it's a worship that flows through how we're focused during the week on God, one eye to heaven and one guy, one eye on what's in front of us, right? Secondly is submission and surrender, and that right there for some of you is like a four-letter word even though it has more than four letters. You, you hear the word submission and surrender and, and your temp goes up. But, but this is what Paul is getting at here. There's a discipline to submit and to surrender our flesh to what God has. That helps unlock our potential. It has to be a habit to say, God, not my way, not not my stubbornness, but, but your way and your will. Third is Bible study and reading. Actually spending time in God's word, his primary way to speak to us, changes and transforms us. And y'all, we don't have an excuse anymore. You can listen to it through free apps. You can read it. I mean, you can get even just a verse a day. In fact, in our family, we have a family text, uh, a chat. I send the verse of the day every day. One day I missed last year, uh, one of my children sent it to me. And I'm like, all right, like it's working. Um, Even just a verse a day can be a habit that helps change and transform us. Prayer. Not just a prayer that's on your knees in a prayer closet, but a prayer throughout the day. Praying without ceasing, a prayer that is like breathing, Tom Skinner used to say. That Jesus actually was like breathing, that it was just a part of who he is. God, I need help. God, be here in this moment. It's a habit. Another one is solitude, and I'm a a recovering extrovert. Okay? And, and this is one that, that solitude is one, along with silence, which is not on the list, but should be potentially there, is something that radically shapes and changes us. All of us need a moment, whether it's daily or weekly. Let me encourage you to do it at least weekly, where you turn it off and you spend some time in solitude with God, allowing him to shape who you are. And then meditation, not Eastern meditation, Not things that are trying to empty yourself, but Christian biblical meditation where we're putting God back into us by meditating on his word and the goodness and character and attributes of God. These are all habits that are meant to put us into his presence and to shape and mold us, and they will make a difference. 
John Thompson, an author I've quoted a number of times during this series, says this. He says, spiritual gifts are the only guaranteed place of power to do ministry. And that spiritual practices, what I'm calling habits, when engaged as a Christian, are a guaranteed place of communion, transformation, and healing. Y'all, why would we not do this, right? Why would we not develop habits that help lead us closer and develop his power and transformation through us? Secondly, if you're taking notes here, so your God-given potential is through Christ-centered character transformation. Secondly, it's through giftedness in community. Paul goes on in verse 3 through 8. He says, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body... We have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, this one, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes, in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. He's saying, listen, you're in a new community. And this community, if you're Christ-centered with his giftedness, this community is a part of unlocking your potential. This is bigger than a local church. This is a part of the church, the global church, that you now are grafted into if you're a believer. You want to find purpose in community, that's your starting place. Oftentimes, though, it, we, we can be awkward about it, right? We can be un, unaware of how to interact and, and how to do this. And some of you, that you're like, yes, I want that. But you're not sure how to go about it. I actually came across a, a video clip I want to show you of one of those moments where somebody was just publicly a little awkward. Let's check it out. This is The Price is Right for those of you that remember this show. This girl represents all us awkward people. It's Mr. Plinko himself. What's going on? I want $3,000 on Plinko. Give it a spin. Good luck to you. Need a dollar. Yes, I can get a ride in Melissa. Yes, my family, my mom, my dad. 95, which normally... Isn't that hard? Like, maybe you felt that way, right? At some point, like, you're like, yes, sign me up to use my gift. Sign me up to be in community. And you're like, okay, I, I, I don't know where I fit, right? I, I don't know how to, and, and we, we can wonder, like, okay, what, what does this look like and mean? And a lot of it is just relationship. What Paul described there in verse 3, 4, and 5 was a humility, a, a unity, a willingness to say and raise our hand and others to say, hey, we see you, we love you, let us connect so none of us feel like we just saw in that cringeworthy video. That there's a humility and a unity and an appreciation for each other's gifts. 
The gifts are incredible. And it's almost like I was thinking about this this morning that, you know, if, if you think of the body of Christ and, and the giftedness God gives us as a puzzle, right? Can you imagine if you're putting together a puzzle and one of the pieces looked at you and said, no, nah, I'm good. Nah, I, I don't want to be in that puzzle today. I'm good. Keep going. Just leave that hole there. Don't worry about it. No one will notice. Can you imagine? And yet that's often what some of us do, right? And here, I believe, is, is what unlocks our potential, right? It's the character and then using our gifts in community as a part of the body, as a part of the puzzle that God has created and is building in our world. There's 19 spiritual gifts that we covered in episode 2, 3, and 4. If you missed them, here they are. These are the gifts that we see biblically in the Bible. These come from 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, which we're in, 1 Peter 4, 10 and 11, and Ephesians chapter 4. Now, with these 19, if you missed one of the messages over the last few weeks, you can go back and catch it and catch up. The love gifts, in fact, right now, as you came in, if you're here in person, you had, and may have noticed, you had some things on your seats today. Can you pull these out? Humor me. Show me that you got them. All right. So the red, the red color is symbolizing administration, helps, mercy, and giving, those four gifts. The power gifts are being symbolized by the orange color. These are nine spiritual gifts, prophecy, tongues, interpretation of tongues, faith, discernment of spirits, healing, works of power or miracles, and words of knowledge and wisdom. Again, all of these are to be operating biblically and in unity and humility with God's love. Third list is the blue, and those would be the, the word gifts. We looked at these last week. These are teaching, exhortation, apostleship, leadership, pastoring and shepherding, and evangelism. Now, if this is all new to you, um, that's okay. Okay, we're, we're, it's a journey. This is not a, a moment. It's, it's a movement, as we like to say often around here. Um, but what I'd like you to do is just over the next few minutes, think about which color do you think your primary gifts are in. Even if you've never taken an assessment, think of your life. Think of the way maybe God has used you as a believer and what others have said. And just pick off the color that you think best represents you and hold on to that, Okay. Audience participation. Okay, I'll be as cheesy as you are right now, right? So we'll come back to that in a minute. The last part I want to show you is the latter part of Romans 12, verses 9 through 21. And in, because of time, I, I'm not going to be able to unpack this, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to read it and really try to allow it to speak to us. Because here, here's what we see here in unlocking your potential. Part of it is going to be unlocked as you fan into flame what God has put in you, right? And then that's the character of God transforming you to be more like him. You're going to then realize more of your potential as you get into Christ-centered community and use your giftedness in the body of Christ. And then what Paul does immediately next is he begins to describe the outflow, the fruitfulness, what happens in relationships, both in the church and out there as we leave the church and go and be the church. 
And as you hear this, there are some really challenging things that have to do with how we love one another, how we actually uh, treat one another. And it's not an easy list, and I don't think by any means it's meant to be. If you're taking notes that to unlock our potential, the last piece here is this Christ-centered fruitfulness in all of life. That, that actually, because his character has transformed us, because we're gifted and using it in community, now, now there's meant to be this fruitfulness that flows into all of life. And suddenly, it gets into your Monday, your Tuesday, your Wednesday, your Thursday, how you treated somebody on the way to church today, anybody? It starts to get into what does it look like to treat and love and bear fruit the way Christ intended. This unlocks our potential. I'm going to read it to you, picking up in verse 9. Let love be genuine, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Pretty good list, huh? Can you imagine if that was being unlocked in and through each of us, how great it would be a part of, I mean, your home, our church, our neighborhoods, like, this would change things, wouldn't it? He says, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Oh, boy. Turn off the news, some of you, like today. Like, seriously. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves. Oh, man. Right? Don't you feel, and nobody else felt that? Okay. It says, beloved, never avenge yourselves. But leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, oh boy, here we go, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink, for by doing so you will heap burning coals on his head, and some of you just said amen. <laughs> says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Let me explain to you briefly that heaping burning coals is trusting revenge and retribution to God, but it's also hoping and believing. Many scholars believe that this was pointing to an Egyptian uh, appropriation ritual that had to do with what they would understand in their context, which is when somebody put burning coals on their head and walked through the center of, of the town, it was declaring to everyone an act of repentance that they were wrong and it was a part of their punishment. You see, the goal isn't to, to necessarily get revenge in the way that destroys the person. We want people to repent and come to Jesus. That's got to be the heart. And really, in unlocking our potential, can you see how this kind of fruitfulness in our world would make a difference? 
Can you see what a blessing it would be? And and here's the thing. It begins with you making a choice. This kind of Christ-centered fruitfulness releases you from jealousy, releases you from trying to find fulfillment in, in being like somebody else. You find freedom to just be who God created you to be. This means that our friendships are no longer distorted by status. I mean, think of it this way. We're awed by none and we're looked down on none. What would it look like, he's saying, to, to not view anyone according to status, that you're awed by none and you look down on none? That there's just a trust in the Lord and who he's created you to be. It means we appreciate others for themselves without feeling that they must be different or like you. Like, no, you begin to appreciate the differences that others have and how God uniquely made them in his image and the giftedness he's given them. There's such a freedom that is possible and a potential that God wants to unlock. So let me ask you just three questions here to close today, and then we'll go into our response time. First, with all this in mind and the word available to you to search and to research this coming week, let me encourage you to do that. Will you fan into flame the God, gifts that God has given you? Church, that's my heart, my hope. What I'm believing for is that you will say, yes, I want to unlock the potential God has put inside of me. I want to fan into flame the gifts that he's given me. Second, will you unlock your potential by committing to be Christ-centered with your character, with your giftedness, and in your living? Notice there's three. They all came right out of Romans 12. With your character, your giftedness and community, and your living how you treat others. Woo! Temp's gone up. Getting all up in your business. And third and last, will you pray with others that have similar gifts as you today? Asking God to work in and through pathway to love God and love all people in our pathway. He wants to unlock our potential. He wants to move, I believe, in new ways. She came in today. I'd asked you, you know, grab whichever color you think it might be. And here's what we're going to do. I'm going to pray for us in a minute. And then we're going to break into a time of prayer to finish. If you're a visitor, we invite you to participate and be a part of this. Uh, if you're like completely weirded out, um, that's, that's okay. Come to our welcome center. They're really cool people. They're not as weird as me, and they have a gift for you, okay? Um, but these, this moment of prayer and response today, as we put up this slide for you, the first thing is we're going to offer uh, groups of four to eight. And what I'm asking you to do today is take whichever color you might be and just kind of go like this and try to find four to eight people that have the same color. Introduce yourselves so you can see that there's others because my prayer and my belief since I got here is that all the gifts are going to be active at Pathway. Amen? Amen. And so you're going to find others that may have the same gifting as you and meet them and then pray together. Now, you could also pray individually right where you're at. Um, or third, you could come forward. We have pray, kneeling benches, altars up here if you need to be prayed for today. Online, our host has a, a link for you and a chat room available. And uh, if you really would like privacy for prayer, you can go out our doors back here. We have a hub and a prayer room available and people that would love to pray with you.
This is how we're going to close our series today. Next week, we look at what does it mean to be the church and the vision that God is giving us. Today, we band together and we say we're ready to unlock our potential. Amen. Last thing is as you leave, there's a picture here. Uh, We have wristbands for each of the colors. As you leave, if you're here in person, uh, please, on your way out, make sure to grab whichever color. And, And this is something we can wear and continue to grow in community as we walk in the gifts. Wasn't that a great idea? That wasn't my idea. We have such an awesome team, such an amazing team that comes up with things and makes things happen. So, uh, so thankful. All right, if you'll stand, I'm going to pray. And uh, then you can take your color, whatever it may be, find a group of four to eight and spend some time praying together. If you're a parent with kids and pathway kids at 1030, please go pick up your kids. I said it. Okay, I'm off the hook. It's on you now. Let me pray. Father, we love you and praise you. We thank you for your spirit. We thank you for your word. We thank you that you're unlocking our potential. And I just pray that uh, this word today would continue to work on us, continue to mold and shape us to be more like you. Thank you, God, for the gifts in the church. Thank you for this moment to to see who some others are that may have the same gifts as as me, as, as you have given. So, Father, we pray that you'd be in this time That as we leave in a few minutes and later on, that we would go and love you and love all people in our pathway. That we would be the church you've called us to be. Thank you for each person present. And Father, if there's somebody that doesn't know you yet as their Lord and Savior, I pray that they would come see me or one of the leaders and have that conversation first. We thank you. May you be blessed today and be a blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, be the church.